We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand-addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers other merch just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons hello and welcome to another chapter of womance's public access read-along of pride and prejudice by the one and only Jane Austen. I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. I'm the odd chapter reader, Morgan. Morgan, since this is an even chapter, chapter 44, would you kindly remind us what happened in chapter 43? With unending delight, because chapter 43, one of my favorites so far, Lizzie and her aunt and uncle decide to stop by Pemberley, partially because they've heard that Mr. Darcy won't be there. And Lizzie gets to see how very, very beautiful Pemberley, Mr. Darcy's home, is. And then, lo and behold, he shows up a day early. And so they actually end up going on a walk together, and they're very nice to each other, and everyone thinks that Mr. Darcy is kind and handsome. Champagne fizzies abound. (laughs) For us, yeah. (laughs) Um, And now her... You know, they're done with their day of traveling, so they're heading, they they headed back to their, the inn that they're staying at or whatever. Perfect. Elizabeth had settled it that Mr. Darcy would bring his sister to visit her, the very day after her reaching Pemberley, and was consequently resolved not to be out of sight of the inn the whole of that morning. But her conclusion was false, for on the very morning after their own arrival at Lampton, these visitors came. They had been walking about the place with some of their new friends and were just returned to the inn to dress themselves for dining with the same family when the sound of a carriage drew them to a window and they saw a gentleman and a lady in a curricle driving up the street. Elizabeth immediately recognized the livery, guessed what it meant, and imparted no small degree of surprise to her relations by acquainting them with the honor which she expected. Her uncle and aunt were all amazement, and the embarrassment of her manner as she spoke joined in the circumstance itself, and many of the circumstances of the preceding day opened to them a new idea on the business. Nothing had ever suggested it before, but they now felt that there was no other way of accounting for such attentions from such a quarter than by supposing a partiality for their niece. While these newly born notions were passing in their heads, the perturbation of Elizabeth's feelings was every moment increasing. She was quite amazed by her own discomposure, but amongst other causes of disquiet, she dreaded lest the partiality of the brother should have said too much in her favor, and more than commonly anxious to please, she naturally suspected that every power of pleasing would fail her. Uh, Sounds a little like mom. Sounds a little like, who? Her mother? Yeah, Mrs. Bennet. Sounds like a case of the nerves. Mm. She retreated from the window, fearful of being seen. (laughs) 
And as she walked up and down the room, endeavoring to compose herself, saw such looks of inquiring surprise in her uncle and aunt as made everything worse. Miss Darcy and her brother appeared, and this formidable introduction took place. With astonishment did Elizabeth see that her new acquaintance was at least as much embarrassed as herself since her being at Lambton she had heard that Miss Darcy was exceedingly proud, but the observation of a very few minutes convinced her that she was only exceedingly shy. She found it difficult to obtain even a word from her beyond a monosyllable. I heard something recently that there's something of arrogance and shyness. It's like it requires an assumption that everyone cares about you. <laughs> and cares if you get something wrong. Yeah. Has an opinion and is like paying attention to you. Yeah, I, like, mm, I can see how that would be. That's not wrong. Miss <laughs> mm-hmm. Darcy was tall and on a larger scale than Elizabeth. And though little more than 16, her figure was formed and her appearance womanly and graceful. She was less handsome than her brother, but there was sense and good humor in her face, and her manners were perfectly unassuming and gentle. Elizabeth, who had expected to find in her as acute and unembarrassed as an observer as ever Mr. Darcy had been, was much relieved by discerning such different feelings. They had not been long together before Darcy told her that Bingley was also coming to wait on her, and she had barely time to express her satisfaction and prepare for such a visitor when Bingley's quick step was heard on the stairs, and in a moment he entered the room. Elizabeth's anger against him had been, had been long done away, but had she still felt any, it could hardly have stood its ground against the unaffected cordiality with which he expressed himself on seeing her again. With his doofy doofing... Exactly, his golden retriever, just charm, oozing its way. He inquired in a friendly, though general way after her family, and looked and spoke with the same good-humored ease that he had ever done. To Mr. and Mrs. Gardner, he was scarcely a less interesting personage than to herself. They had long wished to see him. The whole party before them, indeed, excited a lively attention. The suspicions which had been arisen of Mr. Darcy and their niece directed their observation towards each with an earnest, though guarded, inquiry, and they soon drew from those inquiries the full conviction that one of them at least knew what it was to love. (laughs) Of the lady's sensations, they remained a little in doubt, but... That the gentleman was overflowing with admiration was evident enough. Elizabeth, on her side, had much to do. She wanted to ascertain the feeling of each of her visitors. She wanted to compose her own and to make herself agreeable to all. And in the latter object where she feared most to fail, she was most sure of success. For those to whom she endeavored to give pleasure were prepossessed in her favor. Bingley was ready, Georgiana was eager, and Darcy determined to be pleased. In seeing Bingley, her thoughts naturally flew to her sister, and oh, how ardently did she long to know whether any of his were directed in a like manner. Sometimes she could fancy he talked less than on former occasions, and once or twice pleased herself with the notion that as he looked at her, he was trying to trace a resemblance. But though this might be imaginary, she could not be deceived as to his behavior to Miss Darcy, who had been set up as a rival to Jane. No look appeared on either side that spoke particular regard. Nothing occurred between them that could justify the hopes of his sister. On this point, she was soon satisfied, and two or three little circumstances occurred ere they parted, which in her anxious interpretation denoted a recollection of Jane, not untinctured by tenderness and a wish of saying more that might lead to the mention of her had he dared. He observed to her, at a moment when the others were talking together, in a a tone which had something of real regret, that it was a very long time 
since he had had the pleasure of seeing her. And before she could reply, he added, It is above eight months. We have not met since the 26th of November, when we were all dancing together at Netherfield. Elizabeth was pleased to find his memory so exact, and he afterwards took occasion to ask her, when unattended by any of the rest of them, whether all her sisters were at Longburn. There was not much in the question, nor in the preceding remark, but there was a look and a manner which gave them meaning. It was not often that she could turn her eyes on Mr. Darcy himself, but whenever she did catch a glimpse, she saw an expression of general complacence, and in all that he said she heard an accent so far removed from hauteur or disdain of his companions as convinced her that the improvements of manners which she had yesterday witnessed, however temporary its existence, might prove, had at least outlived one day. <laughs> When she saw him thus seeking the acquaintance and courting the good opinion of people with whom any intercourse a few months ago would have been a disgrace, when she saw him thus civil, not only to herself, but to the very relations whom he had openly disdained and recollected the, their last lively scene in Hunsford Parsonage, the difference, the change was so great and struck so forcibly on her mind that she could hardly restrain her astonishment from being visible. Never even in the company of her dear friends at Netherfield or his dignified relations at Rosings had she seen him so desirous to please, so free from self-consequence or unbending reserve as now, when no importance could result from the success of his endeavors, and when even the acquaintance of those to whom his attentions were addressed would draw down the ridicule and censure of the ladies both of Netherfield and Rosings. Their visitors stayed with them above half an hour, and when they arose to depart, Mr. Darcy called on his sister to join him in expressing their wish of seeing Mr. and Mrs. Gardiner and Miss Bennet to dinner at Pemberley before they left the country. Miss Darcy, though with a diffidence which marked her little in the habit of giving invitations, readily obeyed. Mrs. Gardiner looked at her niece, desire of knowing how she, whom the invitation most concerned, felt disposed as to its acceptance, but Elizabeth had turned away her head. Presuming, however, that this studied avoidance spoke rather a momentary embarrassment than any dislike of the proposal, and seeing in her husband, who was fond of society, a perfect willingness to accept it, she ventured, ventured to engage the, her attendance, and the day after the next was fixed upon. Bingley expressed great pleasure in the certainty of seeing Elizabeth again, having still a great deal to say to her, and many inquiries to make after all their Hertfordshire friends. Elizabeth, construing all of this into a wish of hearing her speak of her sister, was pleased, and on this account, as well as some others, found herself, when their visitors left them, capable of considering the last half hour with some satisfaction, though while it was passing, the enjoyment of it had been little. Eager to be alone, and fearful of inquiries or hints from her uncle and aunt, she stayed with them only long enough to hear their favorable opinion of Bingley, and then hurried away to dress. But she had no reason to fear Mr. and Mrs. Gardiner's curiosity. It was not their wish to force her communication. It was evident that she was much better acquainted with Mr. Darcy than they had before any idea of. It was evident that he was very much in love with her. They saw much to interest, but nothing to justify inquiry. <laughs> best kinds of aunts and uncles. Of Mr. Darcy, it was now a matter of anxiety to think well, and as far as their acquaintance reached, there was no fault to find. They could not be untouched by his politeness, and had they drawn his character from their own feelings in his servant's report without any reference to any other account, the circle in Hertfordshire to which he was known would not have recognized it for Mr. Darcy. 
There was now an interest, however, in believing the housekeeper, and they soon became sensible that the authority of a servant who had known him since he was four years old and whose own manners indicated respectability was not to be hastily rejected. Neither had anything occurred in the intelligence of their Lambton friends that could materially lessen its weight. They had nothing to accuse him of but pride, pride he probably had, and if not, it would certainly be imputed by the inhabitants of a small market town where the family did not visit. (laughs) It was acknowledged, however, that he was a liberal man and did much good among the poor. With respect to Wickham, the traveler soon found that he was not held there in much estimation. For though the chief of his concerns with the son of his patron were imperfectly understood, it was yet a well-known fact that on his quitting Derbyshire, he had left many debts behind him, which Mr. Darcy afterwards discharged. As for Elizabeth, her thoughts were at Pemberley, this evening more than the last, and the evening, though it passed, it seemed long, was not long enough to determine her feelings towards one in that mansion, and she lay awake two whole hours endeavoring to make them out. She certainly did not hate him. No, hatred had vanished long ago. She'd almost as long been ashamed of ever feeling a dislike against him that could be so called. The respect created by the conviction of his valuable qualities, though at first unwillingly admitted, had for some time ceased to be repugnant to her feelings, and it was now heightened into a somewhat of a friendlier nature by the testimony so highly in his favor and bringing forward his disposition in so amiable a light, which yesterday had produced. But above all, Above respect and esteem, there was a motive within her of goodwill which could not be overlooked. It was gratitude. Gratitude not merely for having once loved her, but for loving her still well enough to forgive all the petulance and acrimony of her manner in rejecting him, and all the unjust accusations accompanying her rejection. He who had been persuaded would avoid her as his greatest enemy seemed on this accidental meeting most eager to preserve the acquaintance and without any indelicate display of regard or any peculiarity of manner where their two selves only were concerned was soliciting the good opinion of her friends and bent on making her own her known to his sister. Such a change in a man of such pride excited not only astonishment but gratitude for to love ardent love it must be attributed. And as such, its impression on her was a sort of was of a sort to be encouraged, as by no means unpleasing, though it could not be exactly defined. She respected, she esteemed, she was grateful to him. She felt a f- real interest in his welfare, and she only wanted to know how far she wished that welfare to but depend on herself, and how far it would be for the happiness of both that she should employ the power which she her fancy told her she still possessed, of bringing on the renewal of his addresses. It had been settled in the evening between the aunt and niece that such a striking civility as Miss Darcy in coming to them on the very day of her arrival at Pemberley, for she had reached it only to a late breakfast, ought to be intimated, though it could not be equaled, by some exertion of politeness on their side, and consequently, consequently, that it would be highly expedient to wait on her at Pemberley the following morning. They were, therefore, to go. Elizabeth was pleased, though when she asked herself the reason, she had very little to say in reply. Mr. Gardiner left them soon after breakfast. The fishing scheme had been renewed the day before, and a positive engagement made of his meeting some of the gentlemen at Pemberley by noon. So Darcy was sincere about the fishing invitation. (laughs) He He meant meant it. it. 
Um, yeah, just a very Seinfeld chapter, a book where nothing happens, but stuff happens. <laughs> also, the only direct dialogue we have is a Bingley remembering how long it's been since he's seen Jane. Everything mm-hmm. else is told to us as it's happening, but not as direct dialogue. Yeah, it's interesting. Wild. I think it keeps that kind of like alienation, which Elizabeth must be feeling, mm-hmm. um, as one feels when they're in a room with their crush and it's not, you know, requited or whatever. Very good. I think literary technique. Mm-hmm. I think her economy of language owes a lot to her ability to write in different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This chapter feels profoundly different than the earlier chapters. Yeah, because Lizzie feels profoundly different. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's intentionality and it's very effective. And yet again, we we pour out the boiling hot take that Jane Austen is a good writer. Nothing slaps like the hits, Morgan. (laughs) That's true. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? No, not really. I'm I'm ready for these two to make out. I can't wait for the on-page sex. Yeah, as a, a taken in hand <laughs> Pemberley variation. Yeah, well, I've heard that this book is steamy, so I something something to look forward to. <laughs> Finally, what a slow burn. <laughs> and with that, loosen your prejudices, but never your prides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wooly guacamole, everyone! Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womancepodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>